The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Lloyd, today our show is about a different kind of healing, but it includes conflict healing. It's how to achieve health, happiness, and fulfillment through spiritual healing. And the name of the book that I have right in my hand by James Keeley is called Walking with God. And so we know that with when we're connected to spirit or the universe or really centered, that it's easier to resolve conflict in our lives. Let me tell you a little bit about James's background. He's been studying spiritual healing since 1995, and he spent 10 years as a faculty member at the University of Spiritual Healing and Sufism. He is currently running a a year-long program where he trains people from all walks of life in the art of spiritual healing. So the types of people he helps are healthcare practitioners looking to add spiritual dimension to their practice, individuals who are seeking personal healing, and couples and parents who are dealing with the most important relationships in their lives. So really anyone who wants to deal with inner healing and outer healing and conflict healing is a great candidate for the kinds of things we're going to be talking about today. Um, As a partner at Lionheart Consulting, James has helped leaders with a passion to make a difference in the world while working in an environmentally sustainable way that accomplishes all of their goals. And his clients have included such companies as Kaiser Permanente's Center for Health Record Research and Greenpeace, Powell Books, The Nature Conservancy, Sustainable Values Partners. And he's involved right now in managing the Farm of Peace, which is a retreat center in Pennsylvania that is a place of refuge and solace. So you can learn more about him at howtowalkwithgod.com, and you can also look up Walking with God, the name of the book. And without further ado, I want to thank you so much, James, for joining us from the East Coast. Well, thank you, Mari. I'm just uh, thrilled to be on your show this morning. Well, thank you. You know, when we talk about conflict, all conflict really does start from within ourselves. And when we're healing ourselves in body, mind, and spirit, we're, we're really more able to deal with other people's conflict and deal with challenges in our lives. And I know that you have this in your book about being happy. And to be happy, we need to be peaceful and within ourselves. So how does spiritual healing differ from other kinds of modalities? 
Well, I think that's a great place to start because spiritual healing doesn't so much focus on the circumstances that are happening to us as much as it focuses on the experience that we're having in those circumstances. You know, I like to say spiritual healing starts with two ideas, and the first is that difficult things happen to all of us. Um, One of my favorite sayings is if you're only good to those who are good to you, then really what good are you? So, you know, most people notice that difficult things happen to all of us. But the second thing, and more importantly, is that none of those things cut us off from the love and guidance and support of the divine that allows us to respond with balance and excellence really regardless of those circumstances. Now, although you know, difficult things happen to all of us and none of them cut us off, it sure as heck feels like they do when we have a health issue or a real challenging relationship situation or troubles at work. We feel as if because of those circumstances, we're not in a state of being or we don't have the resources to respond with balance. And, you know, I essentially call those losses of heart. We lose heart. We feel that because of this situation, I can no longer live or experience the kind of life I'm longing to live and begin to feel as if we're fated for something else. So, yeah. yeah. So why do you, you know, refer to this process of healing that you teach as the R-U-H process? Could you explain what that is? Certainly. R-U-H spells R-U. And um, uh, being a spiritual healer is not your ordinary profession. So, uh, you know, I walk around, people ask me what I do for a living. I say, well, I do spiritual healing. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I was at my dentist office, and as usual, so what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a spiritual healer, and, you know, he's working on my tooth. And usually if someone asks me that question, I get one of two answers. Either we don't talk at all for the rest of the time, (laughs) or they start telling me their entire life story. And, well, what about someone in this situation? He starts opening up and sharing all these things. He said, so do you sort of lay on hands, or do you channel Indian spirits? And I thought to myself, I've really got to come up with some sort of name for this. So I was sitting with a class of mine, and I said, you know, I need, like, an acronym or something for the healing process that I teach. You know, my essential message is that ridiculous and unbelievably happy and spiritual-aligned are exactly the same thing. And I wrote, like, I need an acronym, like R-U-H. And when I wrote R-U-H, I got goosebumps, because R is the Arabic word for spirit. Mm. And it's the Hebrew word for spirit. And it's the Mm. Aramaic word for spirit. So... I just got goosebumps because I've always wanted to call it spiritual healing. But in this way, it distinguishes it and carries the real essence of what I do. Right. So, you know, for, for those people who are listening who really don't relate to spiritual, you know, they're, they've been listening to my show. They're, they're right. trying to find out about prescriptions for healing conflict in their lives. For those people who aren't really connected in their own heart and soul to what you call spirit, whether they're not, whether they're religious or agnostic or not religious mm-hmm. or, or whatever, or they find this kind of awkward for them, uh, what do you say to them? Well, I like to say to people that I don't care what you call it as long as you call on it. Uh, I work with, as I said, as you uh, shared in your intro, I work with people in business and organizations and from all walks of life. And the key is that once we've lost, we realize that we've lost heart. We feel as if because of this situation, we don't have the resources to respond with balance. In those moments, we have to stop and say, you know, this experience is here. I don't feel, I don't see the way forward. And in that moment, we need to open our hearts and ask for help. Now, as I said, bef- as I said before, I don't care what you call it, just call on it. And I often joke with my students if we had to believe before we got help, there wouldn't be any believers. So it's really, I, I really coach people in a way of finding 
specifically first, what is their challenge? What are they up against? How are they losing heart? And then really becoming aware of that experience. Because most of the time, people aren't aware of what's going on inside of them. You know, I recently worked with a couple who were having a hard time, and the, the wife was telling me that her husband was constantly judging her and constantly you know, telling her all the ways she wasn't up to snuff. And, he, and as a result of that, he wasn't as committed to the relationship as she'd like. So I said, well, what really upsets you about that? What's the problem? She said, well, he acts like a king all the time. I said, okay, well, if that's what's between you and being happy, how do you react when he becomes the king? And she realized that she began to lose heart and feel like she had to earn, her lo- earn his love. Mm. Right? So when I asked her, what, is it, what do you look like when you believe you have to earn his love? She said, I look like a supplicant. Mm. He looks like the king, and I'm the supplicant. And in that moment, we have to say, wow, there's an experience inside of me that portrays me as a supplicant. And when I see that picture of myself, I feel weak. I feel in a, in a, like a begging, sort of like a beggar bowl sort of position. No wonder I'm seeing him as the king. Mm-hmm. And when we find that experience, that's, I like to say, compassionate acknowledgement means that feeling is here and it hurts. Yes. Right? And uh, very, uh, very often we don't want to go into those places. Like Joseph Campbell says, the treasure we seek is in the cave we fear to enter. Right. And we don't want to have to feel that feeling. But compassionate acknowledgement says it's here and it hurts, and therefore it needs help. Now, whether you call to God for help, or love, or great spirit, or the one, or your higher self, or, hey, I'm not even sure if there's any help out there, I could use it. Mm. Because if I continue to be in this relationship saying, I'd like to love you, but first I'd like to establish the fact I'm a supplicant, (laughs) right? right. right? your relationship's not going to go the way you want it to go. So we're looking to transform these experiences that are really at the heart of our upsets. And we do that by just simply asking for help. There's a church by my house, and it has this great sign. It says, everyone wants to work for God, but only as a consultant. (laughs) Very (laughs) cute. Right. So very often we find, oh, I'm losing heart. Help me like this. As opposed to, all I know is right now when this goes on, I start to feel like I'm a supplicant. And when I feel that way, I I can't love. I can't take excellent action. And I don't even know what help I need, but I'm going to open almost like opening a window in a stuffy room and letting the breeze in. Right. And how that breeze changes you and what it does to you is something you discover. You don't figure that out. And I tell my students that's why it's called revelation and not deduction. Exactly. And I think the word that you use that's really so important, and you use it in your book, and I've seen it so many other places, and I've been kind of working on that in my own life, is that, that word aware, yes. awareness. And when you were talking about your client who was feeling like he's a king and she's, you know, submissive and the supplicant. Right. Well, that's her thoughts. That's that's her awareness. And once, you know, people forget that thoughts are are not us. Exactly. (laughs) Thoughts are things and and that we can change those thoughts. And and when we change those thoughts, it changes our life. And, And what you're saying about the healing is knowing that there is that whether you call it a higher power or God or, or who, whatever, that you do have that power through that, that higher power or through God to, to make those changes. And I think that's the beauty of it. Every time I get down on myself, I start to question, well, I'm aware that I'm thinking this. Why am I thinking this? 
and right. and th- I don't have to think this right. and and that helps me to change and then I do ask for guidance myself like okay how do I how do I get out of this how do I find a different way to think about this so I think that's it, it's it's becoming aware we live in such a life that's so inundated with information right mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm carrying my cell phone everywhere right? right so if i'm standing in line at the grocery store what do i do and <clears throat> i'm looking at my my smartphone for my right. for my text messages and my <laughs> emails right um from the moment i get up in the morning <clears throat> walking my dog i try to look around and and really be in nature but then of course i find myself if the phone rings because i carry my cell phone with me so I think we're so inundated with information all around us that we forget to go inside. And this is the really important thing. You know, I, I say that spiritual healing begins with the intention to be ridiculous and unbelievably happy. Because when you make that intention, what you do is you create contrast in your life. I tell people that when I first bought my home, I went to repaint my basement, and I thought I had white walls, so I bought some white paint. You know, the first brush stroke, I realized I had cream walls. <laughs> and that contrast allowed me to see... You know, if I'm, if I'm not ridiculous and unbelievably happy, then why not? What's the problem? What's between me and living that life? Yes. And like you said, until you're aware of something, you can't make a choice about it. Yeah. And I try and teach my students to be aware of not just what is going on, but how am I doing? How is the person I'm expecting to be in love or take excellent action or succeed in my life actually doing right now? And as I said... Spiritually aligned and ridiculous and unbelievably happy are exactly the same thing. So this means that you'll never be ridiculous and unbelievably happy until you're spiritually aligned. But at the same time, you'll never discover a spiritual alignment until you refuse to accept any situation in which you're not ridiculous and unbelievably happy. And that begins the inquiry process. And the hardest thing when we're not at peace is to stop. Yes. I like to say that the upset self demands action. You know this with resolving conflict. People think, if I could just say one more thing. Right. Or if I just write file... one more email. But <laughs> the person who's writing those emails and trying to speak shouldn't be driving. Yes. Right? The, as I said earlier, if you unconsciously living your life as a supplicant, there's no action that supplicant is going to take that's going to lead to love. Right. And so right. first we have to be able to stop. And that's what the key with awareness is saying, stop, wait, I'm not at peace. That means I've got to care for myself before I act. Right. Date first, then action. And as simple as that sounds, that is a lifelong lesson. You know, it's not so simple. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I know for me, I'm, I'm a very busy person, and I, I really yeah. do take the time to just stop and take 15, 20 minutes when I first get up in the morning to just kind of get centered and, right. and really, you know, meditate and whatever I do. And meditation, people say, oh, I can't meditate because the thoughts are coming in and out and they're going all over the place and I can't think. And, and that's true. It, it, is, it is, for many people, it's such a challenge because the chatter is going on in their head and they don't know how to stop it. And when they do stop it, that's when they can hear their higher self or hear God or hear right. spirit. And, and I think we are thirsty for that in our society. Absolutely. And very often people are trying to meditate and they're trying to calm themselves down. And spiritual alignment isn't about calming yourself down. It's about becoming aware of what's inside of you. So if you sit down and be quiet and your mind's chattering away 100 miles an hour, this is a key that you're in an anxious state. Yes. And the first thing you have to stop and say, it's not all right for me to live an anxious life. 
I'm going to relax. And the moment you go to relax, you're going to discover whatever the real problem is. That's the beauty of once you say, I'm, I intend to be fulfilled, I intend to be happy. When you take a step towards that and try, the ne- very next thing out of your mouth is going to be the problem. And I tell people the only thing you should be working on is whatever is between you and being ridiculous and unbelievably happy. Yes, and you know, I think people, we have to kind of clarify this for some people. When they're in crisis, let's say uh, a spouse has died or they're going through a divorce or there is some tragedy, you know, right now, a friend of mine has their brand new baby in the hospital for six weeks, okay? So, you know, when you say, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think a lot of people don't understand that even in the midst of the of the most worst tragedy, uh, uh, some their family member is killed. I mean, I, I hear all yeah. sorts of horrible things. Yeah. You know, we have to. We can't say, "Oh, I'm an um, unbelievably happy." Right. You know, when this is, it's this underlying faith and and joy, even in the midst of the pain and the excruciation of the circumstances that underneath, you know that that all will be okay, you know, but it's not easy for people when they're in a disaster. Absolutely. That's that's exactly what a loss of heart is. A loss of heart is when you lose faith. You don't see the way forward. You've been hit so hard by something that makes you feel as if you're not okay anymore, and you can't see it, you can't find it. And in those moments, we need to acknowledge that we've lost heart and then continue to seek. Say, all I know right now is that I don't know. Yes. All I know right now is that I can't see it. And that's why I call it a spiritual second opinion. Yes. You know, so often people will say to me, I have no idea how I could possibly have everything I need in this situation. I say, well, that's why we're not going to ask you. Right. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> you've had your shot and you lost heart. Yeah. I, I recently had a woman in one of my classes who's, uh, whose um, husband passed away. And, you know, of course she's grieving. Of course she's heartbroken. But she wasn't able to move through the grieving process. Yes. Grieving is natural. Yes. Grieving says, this is going. But healthy grieving says, although this is going, this is coming. Unhealthy sadness says, now that this is gone, there's nothing to replace it. Right. So the sadness can't resolve. So in her case, I said, well, what really is the most upsetting thing about losing him? She says, well, there's nobody like him. Nobody loves me like he did. Mm. Nobody sees me like he did. Nobody cares for me like he did. And I said, in the face of that, how do you start to lose heart? She said, well, I start to feel as if the rest of my life is just going to be vanilla. Yeah. Right? Now, losing someone hurts. But when you say, I've lost this person, and now I'd like to establish the fact that the rest of my life is going to be vanilla, what was hurtful becomes impossible. Mm-hmm. And that's what breaks the heart. We have to be able to acknowledge and say, wow, I'm living my life as if it's a fact that the rest of my life is going to be vanilla. And yeah. when I believe that's true, I look like someone who has nothing to look forward to. And, and you know, James, and you know this just as well as I do, that what we believe, you know, actually happens. You know, we, we, we create that reality. Well, we, yeah, exactly. We continue to make choices and yeah. perceive. I call them crap-colored glasses as a joke. Yeah. You know, when you put on the glasses that say, I have nothing to look forward to, right. it's like you're saying, I'd like to be happy, but first I'd like to establish the fact I have nothing to look forward to. Yeah. So if there are any disappointing or unfulfilling circumstances ahead of me, I have the capacity to perceive them. Yes. And that's, I like to say you have an indoor for it. Yes. But there's no indoor for the rest of your life, and that's, 
That's the state from which we need help. Right. In this woman's case, I said to her, can you see what you look like when you believe you have nothing to look forward to? She said, yeah. I said, and how does does your heart feel when you believe that? She said, it's all crumpled and crushed. I said, do you feel the way your body gets tense? She said, yeah. I said, when you ask for help, how does that picture change? And she just started weeping. And I Mm -hmm. said, what are you crying about? She said, I see that all the love we shared in all those years is still inside of me. Mm. All the things, the, the way I've picked up his humor, the way I've picked up his caring, the way I've picked up his love is inside of me, and it's beckoning me forward. Mm. I call that new information. An insight is literally a new sight within. Yes. Where she used to have this picture of someone who had nothing to look forward to, she now sees herself as a woman who's full of these veins of her husband, ex-husband, or her, um, her deceased husband, her deceased yeah. husband's yeah. qualities. And she's, she's loath to waste that gift. Yes. Right? And that's, that's insight. That's new information. That actually makes a difference. Yeah, it's you know, James, a, um, yeah. yeah, you know, I deal with people who are, who are in a lot of pain. Yeah. You know what, because I, whether they're in a any kind of a, they've lost their job and there's a wrongful termination or yep. there's a divorce or there's, you know, something horrible that's going on that's painful for them. It's, and it's, it's a grieving whether you die or not. It's, it's, exactly. a, yeah. And so sometimes, you know, if, and I try and tell my clients this, and I know you do too, is when something is so painful like that, it breaks your heart open. And when your heart is open, rather than shriveled like that, you know, the, the widow, when yeah. it breaks open, then the love can pour in. That's right. And so I think that's really an important point is to, to, to allow yourself to grieve yes. the, the losses, you know, allow yourself to do that. Let the love pour in. Yeah. And then from there, then you can kind of get, you know, a, a new a new site, like you said, insight. But it new seems insight. to me we have to really break open. I remember when right. I went through my divorce after 18 years of marriage, you know, and there was a, that was a long time ago, and it really hurt. And I remember when my sister died. I was just, yeah. you know, I mean, those were times. And I'm, you know, I've been around the block, right. and, and, I'm, and I'm not a, a wallflower, but I was just broken open. Yeah. You know, I was in the depths of... of tremendous sadness for the deaths and dying in my family and all yeah. the different things that happened to me in my lifetime. And I know you have to really feel that excruciating pain. You yeah. have to feel it. And then from there, you can reemerge. That's right. You know, that, the, these words, compassionate acknowledgement, are so powerful to acknowledge that that experience is there, that you feel as if it's not going to be okay. But then to remember, and, and that that feeling hurts and you need help. And I like to say, you have to say, this feeling is here, comma, not period. Right. This feeling is here, comma. The divine is also here. But how that's so, I don't know. So I like to say healing happens when the place that's in pain gets touched by love. There's a chemical reaction. Yes. There's a third thing that emerges. But like you're saying, if we're afraid to go into that, as Joseph Campbell said, that cave we fear to enter, if we're loath to acknowledge that loss of heart and say it's here, but remember that it's not all that's here, then that meeting of love and pain can't happen. And that's what healing is. When the place that's in pain gets touched by love, there's a change. 
And we don't know what that change is going to be. If we did, we, we would have done it ourselves. Exactly. When I'm working with people, I tell them, I don't know your answers, but I know where answers come from. Yes. Right? It's like a finger pointing at the moon. And the important thing is that we're able to say, you know what? I am upset. I, ha- I want to be ridiculous and unbelievably happy, but this is going on. And in the space of that, I lose heart. So much, in fact, that I feel this way. Comma. <laughs> exactly. Most of the times we say period. Now, then what we do is say, well, since this is happening and I feel this way and I can't be okay because of these circumstances, now I have to figure out how to change them. Yes. And all we do is go into stories and explanations and efforting and struggling. Right. And, and we repeat our stories over and over, over and, and, over and, and become victims. Yeah. And yeah. the person who's in pain never gets a hand. Right. And that's the tragedy is that when we're not willing to acknowledge that we hurt, the hurt doesn't get addressed. And if the hurt doesn't get addressed, it forms the basis of our unconscious, and we end up taking the actions to get us more of that hurt. Yes. I'm speaking today with James Keeley, who is the author of Walking with God, How to Achieve Health, Happiness, and Fulfillment Through Spiritual Healing. Let me ask you something. So um, how is it that you actually got into this as a spiritual healing and and like I just want to clarify that that spiritual healers really are not the ones doing the healing it's just coming through them they're kind of the conduit or the helper right that's right uh, you know I have to say as, as, as a spiritual healer I'm a facilitator of people's hearts longings yes like I said a moment ago I don't have any answers for anyone I some days I can barely tie my shoes with my own problems Sure. But what I can do is, is acknowledge the difficult situation a person's in, help them clarify what that pain is really about, and then encourage them to remember that although that loss of heart is there, the divine is also there, and teach them how to directly receive that experience in the place of pain. Because it's not enough to know you've never been, you're never given more than you can handle. In that moment, you have to know how is that so right now? you don't have a direct experience of that then it's just a it's just a platitude right well we we don't have a lot of time but i wanted to ask you can you give a, a, i know in your book you have the steps for yep. example you have the steps can you just give us these um, kind of like evolutionary steps the stages of development that would help us to get where we need to get well the first thing as i said is that it all begins with the intention to be ridiculous and unbelievably happy when I work with couples, I say this couple's work begins with the intention to be madly in love. If I work with someone with their health issues, I say this work begins with the intention to have the kind of health and body that you long to carry yourself through the world with. If I'm working with a business and organization, I say it begins with the intention to bring your full contribution and make the difference you got into this job in the first place to make the difference for. And then to be aware. Our bodies are so straightforward with us. When we're tense or sad or frustrated, you know, you feel that fight, flight, or collapse sensation in our body. And the moment we do that, that little bell's got to go off and say, hey, I'm not at peace. It's time to care for myself. What's the problem? What's between me and happy right now? And face it. Look it in the eye. Yeah, go ahead. And then the last one? And then the next thing is to say, okay, well, that's the problem. Why is that a problem? How do I lose heart in the face of this? Why is my problem a problem? What do I believe it means for me? In the case of the person who says, he said, I love, no one will ever love me like he did. Well, the reason that's upsetting is because now the rest, of, I'm, I'm fated for the rest of my life to just be vanilla. And to say, you know, this experience is here, 
the divine's also here. And then ask for help. Just open the door. I, I, I joke with my students, it's a four-letter word, but not the one we usually think of. <laughs> right. <Just> help. <laughs> exactly. And then when we ask for help, we, it's, we say if you take a step towards the divine, the divine runs towards you. Once you ask for help, all you need to do is stay conscious to how that inner experience changes when it's touched by love. And that change is the insight. And that insight will put you in a new state of being. And from that new state of being, you can take different actions. And I tell people the great thing about spiritual healing is it doesn't, get you, it doesn't free you from pain. It shows you the ways you were never really trapped so that you can take actions that free yourself. Well, that is a perfect way to end. Thank you so much, James Healy, Walking with God. And we will uh, send people to your website, which is just uh, HowToWalkWithGod.com. HowToWalkWithGod.com. Thank you so much, James. We'll have you back again and keep up the wonderful work. Thank you. Likewise. Have a beautiful day. You too. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Uh, Visit us at conflicthealing.com and listen to us next Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 